Well, good morning, everyone. It has been a very moving morning so far. Spirit is here, is he not? Thank you, Lord. Uh, my name is Hunter Upton. I'm one of the pastors here at Give All Church. So glad that you've joined us for worship. Glad that you're here on this fifth Sunday and that you get to celebrate baptisms with us. The Lord is doing a new thing, is he not? And how grateful we are for that. Now, as Jonathan said, we are finishing up our sermon series for this month called Give It a Try. We've been looking at kind of the ways and practices of what it means to be kingdom-minded, kingdom-living, kingdom-focused people of Jesus, followers of Jesus. And we're looking at these things that come from Scripture. So we've looked at uh, what it means to be in God's Word, for us to wrestle with it, to let it wash over us, to change us, right? How important it is for us to listen to the words of God. to apply them, right, to our lives. Then we talked about uh, our need and desire to be connected. We're we're wired for uh, connection. We're wired to do life with one another. But more than just connection, it's about community, right? That's truly the desire that we have. We can be connected to a whole bunch of things, but really it's a Christian, beautiful community that we long for. And then last week, Pastor Jonathan did a deep dive into what does it mean to have that intimate relationship with Jesus through prayer and the beauty that comes through that, us connecting with God and and listening and communing with him uh, through prayer. So I want to encourage you. It's been the big push. It's been the big encouragement that you would give it a try for how long? One year. One year. Just give it a try. See what the Lord's going to do with it. Try your best. Stick with it. Let it become a habit. Let it become a way of life. And this morning, we have yet another push that we're going to make. And really, when you take all of these all together, it forms a more holistic picture of who Jesus really is, the life that he lived, and the life that, that God desires for us to live out of our true humanness, of who he's created us to be. And so this morning, we're talking about serving. So if you've got a Bible, you can go ahead and open it up. We're going to look in God's word. Uh, but first, uh, we'll be in John chapter 13 in just a second. But I want us to look at the words from Matthew 22. Uh, before we go there. Uh, Jesus, he's coming into Jerusalem for what will be the last time uh, before he gives up his life. And in the stretch of this week, there's so many things that happen. And he taught so many times uh, during that time. And really what it was is every time he taught, it was because he was questioned or challenged by by someone. Now, one group in particular, the Pharisees, uh, they were kind of, I guess you will, the, the religious elite Uh, They were the rule keepers, all right? Uh, They were grilling Jesus. They wanted to try to find some way to to trip him up so that really they could more easily get rid of him. And yet Jesus is Jesus and he's perfect. And so uh, he tends to oftentimes not get tripped up, right? And so one day after he'd been grilled by the Sadducees, the Pharisees said, all right, we're going to get together. We're going to press him a little bit further. And so there's this expert Okay, at least he thinks he is, an expert in the law of Moses. And he asked Jesus this. He says, teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? He thought he was being tricky here. And Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. The second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. So love the Lord, your God, with your whole being and love your neighbor as yourself, which also means with your whole 
being, right? Now, the Pharisees, they were all about that first command. They loved that one. They said, yes, Jesus, you're, you're right with that one. But because of all of the man-made laws, all of their taking of the law of Moses and constricting it and drawing it out and making it apply to things that, honestly, it really didn't apply to, they didn't necessarily like the second command. It, it didn't really allow room for them to truly love their neighbor as themselves. And that was because they felt like they were loving God first, so you have to love God. But what Jesus is showing them is that both of these go hand in hand. They go hand in hand. You have to love God and you have to love neighbor. They're inseparable. And so the greatest way that we love our neighbor is by serving our neighbor. Now, Jesus, a big theological controversy in the early church, and it has been settled at this point, and we wholeheartedly hold on to it, is that Jesus was both 100% divine and 100% human. And even in that 100% human, Jesus still perfectly followed and obeyed and lived out the commands of loving God with all that you are, and loving your neighbor as yourself. So Jesus is our ultimate example of what it looks like to love our neighbor. And throughout his entire life and his ministry, Jesus continually over and overly showed his disciples and the watching world what it really meant to live the sacrificial life of serving others. And even at the very end of his life, Jesus continued to model for us this, this way of living, of serving and living our lives. So if you've got your Bible open, uh, we're in John 13. Let's take a look at John's gospel to, to see this example of Jesus at the end of his life. Uh, so John chapter 13, we're going to pick up in verse 1. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the mill, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began washing, began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you will have no part with me. Then Lord Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean and you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him. And that is why he said not everyone was clean. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I've done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly say, for this is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I've set you an example so that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, 
You'll be blessed if you do them. Jesus knows that, the, that his time on earth is coming to an end. And yet, he continues to love the ones that God has put in his life. And I think that would have been easy for any of us if we knew that these were our final hours to kind of turn inward and, and be selfish about those final moments, right? And, but not Jesus. But not Jesus. He, he knew, he, he lived out the greatest command to love the Lord your God with every fiber of your being and to love your neighbor likewise, even, even, even to the end. Jesus, who's God in the flesh, as, as Hebrews, as the pastor in Hebrews tells us, he's the very radiance of God, the exact imprint of the character of God. He knelt down and he served his disciples, doing a job that was really reserved for the lowest status person in the room. And it made no sense to the disciples. They're like, what are you doing? You're our teacher. You're the Lord. What are you doing? Why are you doing such a thing? That's because Jesus was modeling for them and for us what God desired for all those that he would come to die and save from death. And that is a life of sacrificial service of others. Because of how Jesus modeled this, I think there, there's, some, some bear, there's some bearing that it has on our lives. And so six things that I think we can glean from John 13 uh, from this example. The first is this, is that serving happens best in proximity. Serving happens best in proximity. Jesus, he knelt down and he, he washed the feet of those who were in his proximity, those in, around him, his disciples, these were the guys that he did everyday life with. Y'all, he journeyed with them for, for three years, and there was a lot that had happened in those three years. He cared about them. He didn't brush them off and, and, and whatever. He, he sought to serve them, to love them well. And so when Jesus spoke about love your neighbor, uh, he didn't mean just the people that you feel like loving, he meant everyone who's directly around you, your sphere of life, the people that you rub shoulders with, you interact with, you live next to, you work next to, those who serve you in your everyday life. And so for us, serving happens best in proximity. The second thing this passage shows us is that serving can be uncomfortable, all right? And so at the end of every row this morning, we have a basin and a towel. And so we're going to ask whoever's on the end, if you'll start making your way down. I'm just kidding. That, wouldn't you feel a little uncomfortable? And it's because it's true. Serving is uncomfortable at times. It's not always easy. You know, one thing that I really wish that Jesus would have said is that life was going to be easy. Unfortunately, he never said that. Messy is where life truly happens, though. We all have it. And some of the greatest moments that, that I can remember are me being dependent upon God, saying, God, this is uncomfortable. I don't, I don't know what's happening. And yet it's those moments whenever I wade into the uncomfortable that Jesus has called me to that have the most fruit, that, that have the most power. I mean, I, I like to gravitate towards easy serving, mainly because I can check off a box and move on and it doesn't really require much of me. But oftentimes, it's us having to get out of our comfort zone. It's us having to sacrifice something in our life that we find the most joy in serving. And so do those that we end up serving. Jesus got joy out of wading into that uncomfortable 
And he did it because he loved them. And we should do the same. So serving happens best in proximity. Serving can sometimes be uncomfortable. And the third thing is serving meets another's need. Serving meets another's need. Foot washing, it's a simple, normal, everyday act. Uh, Back in the first century, you had sandals. It was kind of a thing. And if you've ever been to Israel, it's not necessarily lush green grass everywhere. And so you walk and you walk and your feet get dirty and they get dusty. I mean, it's, 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 it's kind of dirty business, right? And whenever you sat down at a table in the first century, there weren't always chairs either. And so you sat on really comfy cushions though, uh, which would have been great. But can you imagine that it wasn't too nice if you were sitting down to a nice romantic dinner and there's a smell And you're like, what in the world? You need to wash your feet, right? And so it was all about washing feet. And so Jesus, he saw the needs of the disciples. They're about to celebrate the most important meal that was ever celebrated. This was the final Passover that Jesus was giving a new meaning to. He was about to blow it out of the water that he would be the Passover lamb. And so he's going to do something. He sees this need. The disciples need their feet washed. And it's simple and it's menial, but he does it anyway. He saw the need for this tangible example of what it meant to to stoop down, to not, not see yourself as esteemed so that you would serve your neighbor. You would love them well. You would meet another's need. See, when we serve others, we meet a need that they have. And one of the great things about this world is that none of us are, are alike. Sometimes I like that. Sometimes I don't, but I, I really do like that. And you ever think about a team? If everyone was the same on a team, how in the world would you ever get to the end of the game, right? And the same is true of life. There, there are things, there are ways, there's encouragement, there's support. There, there are things that God has gifted each of us for that we help each other along the way. So serving meets the need of another Now, the fourth thing we glean from John chapter 13 is that we should serve even those who are against you. You should serve even those who are against you. All right, once again, it's one of these things in the Bible that I go, Jesus, you you could have not (laughs) said that, right? Uh, Would have been a little uh, less uncomfortable, but we have to wrestle with it. And the thing is, is that it's true. It's truth. Jesus modeled this for us. Jesus knew that Judas had already gone to the, to the chief priest and, and the temple officials and had, had betrayed him for later that night. And yet, even so, even so, Jesus serves him. Y'all, if this isn't radical, then I don't know what is. Jesus modeling for us, our Savior, he loved even those who were against him. And we too are to serve those who are against us, our enemies. And I've heard it said by one of my friends, I've never, I've never met a person who Jesus didn't die for. Never met a person that Jesus didn't die for. And that is why we give our lives, we serve those even who are against us. Now, the fourth point is this, is that serving humbles us and makes us more like Jesus Serve, when we serve, it changes us. It changes our prideful, arrogant hearts to be ones that care. Hearts that are, that are open. Y'all, we find our lives changed. Our, our schedules all of a sudden make time 
for serving others. It's no longer about us, it's about Jesus. And that's why Jesus said in verse 16, very truly I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor a messenger greater than the one who sent him. See, we're sent to do God's work, not our own work. A little note on this. You may be in the place right now where you're like, Hunter, I just, I don't know that I have the heart to serve. And you may not, but I promise you, if you will give it a try, God will do something in you that will change you. I've, I've heard countless stories and even stories of my own experience that whenever I step out and I, I wade into what God is wanting, how it, it does, it humbles me. It's no longer about me. It's about God. And it makes me more like Jesus because just like Jesus, I'm dependent upon God in all things. So allow God to come and change you, to humble you, to work in and through you as you serve him. Final thing, sixth and final, is that serving is about what God has done, not what we are doing. Now, even though Jesus will go to the cross, he's simply living out a life that God desires. Jesus' worth doesn't come from serving others. All right? I want you to hear that. Jesus' worth doesn't come from serving others just as much as ours doesn't. He 100% lives out of what God has said of him, that he is a beloved son. Y'all, when Jesus went to the cross and he died the death that we all deserve and we come and we place our faith in him, we call on his name, we trust him with our life, something happens. We receive a new identity, a new identity in Jesus that is greater than any identity that we can find in what we do. We get to be because of who we are in God sons and daughters. And when we come to serve others, it's not for us to have some way of saying, look at me, or it's not some way of saying, Jesus, love me more. No, we're already loved. It's simply us having our faith in this transformed life come together and to bring all the glory and praise to God for what he has done. We take the gospel to the world because it is not our gospel, it's God's gospel and it is for the world. We're just his instruments and we're just the children of God. So what are we supposed to do with all this? What do we do with all that? Uh, What does it all mean? It means that we were made on purpose and for a purpose. We were made on purpose and for a purpose. Our lives, they're not just some series of haphazard kind of moments all put together, but you were created and placed here on this earth for a purpose. This time and this place are our own purpose, and it's God's purpose. And so there are these areas of our lives that, that we have a responsibility for. You were created with a responsibility from the youngest to the oldest, from the newest to the maturest, from uh, the one who's the busiest to the one that has the freest time. All of us, each of us, all of us have a purpose and have an area of responsibility. God wants to use you to work in your world. And honestly, it's one of the most awesome responsibilities that we've been given as his people And so to to determine what place that is, that area of responsibility that God has given you, there are three things that we have to wrestle with. You've got to wrestle with what is your calling? You've got to look at what is it that God has gifted you to do? 
And you've got to evaluate this time and place that, that you are in right now, January the 30th, right? 2022, DeSoto County. What has God placed you here for? What is around you? Several months ago, Pastor Jonathan, our lead pastor, he gave us three questions that I think really hit the nail on the head. And so I want to share those with you yet again, and let's, let's talk about them. The first question is, what breaks your heart? This question is all about that calling. What is that calling that God has placed on your life? See, each of us, we've been commissioned to get involved in someone else's life, to meet their needs, and to help them to grow more in their relationship with Jesus. Jesus doesn't just ask us to be nice to our neighbors, but to sacrifice, right? To, to give of ourselves, to love others uh, who are not like us, and to enter into another person's brokenness. That's the exact thing that Jesus modeled for us. And sometimes that means that we have to inconvenience ourselves. But it's what Jesus modeled for us. It's what we should do to engage the brokenness that's around us by loving and serving others. You see, everyone's called. Everyone. None of us are not. It was the commission that was given to us at the end of Matthew 28. His parting words. Jesus' parting words before he goes to heaven. Everyone has a call. Everyone has a call. So we have to ask ourselves, what breaks our heart? What's that thing that God has placed in you, that desire, that heartache, that longing that you have, that thing to see made right? What is it that God has placed in you? So what breaks your heart? Second question is that we have to wrestle with as we find that area of responsibility is, what do you have to work with? It's about our gifting, our resources. What do you have to work with? You have been uniquely created by God, meaning that there is no one else like you. Never has been and never will be. All right? You're special. Take that with you today. You're special. Scripture tells us that you have been gifted by God, and that is without a doubt. So how can we use our strengths and our passions and, and our experience to help address the needs in our church, in our community? How, what are those skills and those giftings, those resources, those, li those life experiences that you have? Consider how we can use them to bless others. Everything we have is not ours. It was all given to us by God to give away to give away. So what do you have to work with? Think about your gifting. So what breaks your heart, which looks at calling? What do you have to work with, which looks at our gifting, our individuality? And third is what are the needs around you? What are those opportunities? What has God put in front of you? What organizations and people that you have some influence with, what are those things that are in your life? Like the places where you live, you work, you exercise, you play, that you go to frequently, all of those things, they all present us with opportunities to serve others. Sharing life and joys and struggles with those around us, it opens up the door. It shows them that we're not just some stuffy Christian who's, who's whatever, but we're, we're real people, just like them, who, who are going through this life, but who love the Lord and have seen the hope and the goodness that Jesus brings. Y'all, we share it because we desire for them to have the same thing. 
truly a life changed by Jesus. Now, one thing that we have to wrestle with with this question is that there are sometimes things that God has placed in our heart that are, are important and true and good. Human trafficking is a huge deal right now. And I am so grateful that God has placed that desire to find that wrong made right in people's hearts. But unless you are able to actually do something about it, that's probably not your primary place of responsibility. You should care about it. You should raise awareness for it, but it may not be your primary spot. You may have a heart for overseas mission. There's a people group that God has placed on your heart. But unless you're able to go and move and live there and daily minister to it, it's probably not your primary spot of responsibility. God gives us these desires, but we can't overlook the right in front of us, the place where God has planted us right now, this area of responsibility that we have. And sometimes we have to strategically say no even to good things, so that we can give more of ourselves, make a more significant contribution to what God has called us to right here today, to these things that really do match our calling, that, that we really can give our gifts to, these opportunities that, that are presenting themselves here and now. Now, I want to make one little side comment here. Um, there is no one-size-fits-all there is also no one size fits forever. I think COVID uh, helped us see that, right? Or freshman 15. Um, but life is just full of seasons, all right? It's full of seasons. Uh, there are seasons that we have where we find ourselves with more time and more money. That was like before kids, right? Uh, and there are other seasons where we feel a whole lot better. We're really confident, right? And then there are seasons that are not. And sometimes we find ourselves in hard, busy, difficult kind of times, dry seasons. But none of these should be an excuse for us to not serve. They shouldn't be an excuse for us to not serve. You see, you have to be faithful to the season you are in. You have to be faithful to the season you are in. God wants to work in and through us in every single season and that very serving, even whenever it's in that difficult season, to, to continue down the road that God has called you to, to be faithful to what he's called you to, to be aware, intentional with what he's placed in you and around you, even in the heart, even in a different season, is what we're called to do. Because you never know when God's going to fan the flame anew in you by his spirit, and that you hold on even tighter, you grow even deeper. And that's exciting. That's exciting to know that, that we're not stuck, that God wants to work and move in great and mighty ways. And y'all, that just brings my heart alive, just dreaming about God, what do you have in store? What do you have in store? There's a risk in serving Jesus like this, in loving God and, and loving our neighbor. And it can be uncomfortable. And like Jesus, we can be rejected. We can be despised. We can find ourselves up against great and tremendous difficulty. And yet, and yet, the reward is so worth it. Did you catch what Jesus said in verse 17? He said, now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. 
See, God's honored when we live with gospel intentionality and he blesses us for it. So won't you take this risk? Won't you take the risk to be bold and courageous in the Lord and serve others as Jesus did? It's our big ask. Give it a try for one year. I'll put an exclamation mark on the end here. Give it a try for one year. Give it a try at home. Give it a try at church. Give it a try at your office. Give it a try in our community. Serve. Open yourself up. Let God use you and work in you and through you. And let's see what he's going to do. So take these three questions. What breaks your heart? What do you have to work with? What are, what's the opportunities? What's happening around you? Where does God want to use you? Wrestle with them this week. Pray over them. Talk to someone about them. Ask God to lead you deeper and further out into his grace. Ask him to give you grace and, and peace and, and a spirit-filled life to live it out faithfully. Ask him to show you what is that place of responsibility that you're supposed to pour your life into right here in this time. Here's the thing. I don't want to leave you just out on your own with this. I do want you to, to talk with someone that you know about it, but get well church staff, our church. We are open. We're here. We want to have a conversation with you. This is not a, here's a sermon, go and work it out on your own. We want to wrestle with it with you. And so reach out to us. Help us uh, come alongside you as you discern where is God wanting you to serve. So reach out to us. And there's also a, a page on the website. It's getwellchurch.org slash serve. You can reach out to us there. But also it's a page filled with resources and places and ways to serve here in the church, in our community, and even around the world. Check it out. Let's do something with it. Let's see what God's going to do. Now, in a few moments, we're going to sing a song of response. And the song is about the power, the power of the gospel in our lives. It's about the power of the gospel in our lives. And I want us to sing praise to God because he truly has done something great. He's done it in us and he's doing it through us. But I want you to take these words and I want you to think about them for yourself. And this is why we, we go. Because God is resurrecting. We want others to experience that same resurrection power. That is why we go. Let's take the power and the message of the gospel and take it to the world that needs it. Let's engage in the brokenness that's around us. Let's be the people that Jesus has modeled for us. I want to invite you to, if you want to come and pray, Come pray, kneel, call me or Jonathan over. We'd love to pray with you. Pray at your seat. Pray in your kitchen, wherever you are. But this is a time that we respond because of what God has done for us. Amen? Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you for the example of Jesus who is the radiance of God, who is the exact imprint of your nature, God. And that through him, we get to see your heart. Lord, your heart for your people, your heart for this world. And God, we ask that that same heart would be in us. So Holy Spirit, would you come and move in and amongst all who hear my voice? 
Lord, that we would hear your voice to us, that we are dearly loved children. And God, how you were working, you were resurrecting, you were bringing power, you were bringing beauty out of ashes. And God, you want to do the same for this world. So God, would you light in us a fresh fan, a fresh, this flame inside of us that we would go and be obedient Lord, that we would be your vessels. Jesus, we love you and we thank you for your grace and your mercy. And it's in your name that we pray, amen.